Welcome to Pursuing Perfectcellence, the weekly, bi-weekly, or frankly, whenever I can get around to it, glimpse into my type A-tastic journey away from the paralyzing pursuit of perfection and toward the empowering expectation of excellence. Not a type A? That's okay, there's something for everyone, as you're sure to gain insight on how to cope with the type A people you're forced to deal with on the daily. I'm your host, Hannah Holmes. Now, buckle up. I'm not exactly sure where this car is headed, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be a fun ride. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Pursuing Perfectcellence after a really long pause. I am really excited to be back with you today, but especially because today I'm bringing you my very first interview with my good friend, Kyle Martin. He is a theater teacher at the high school that I worked at. He and I became fast friends. We are very, very different in some ways, which I think you'll find out by listening to this particular episode, but we also are really similar in some other ways. We have a similar background and upbringing, but when it comes to the pursuit of perfectcellence or perfectionism, I have a lot to learn from Kyle, and I just soaked up every bit of this interview. I hope that you take some things away from it as well. Um, One of my favorite things that we talk about, which you'll hear early on in the interview, is a quote that he brings up. If everyone's not beautiful, then no one is beautiful. And so we explore that, and then we're going to get into lots of other things, like what it's like, why, why do we pick the careers we're in? Why do we stick with a career? Why do we jump ship to another career? Do we jump ship to another career? Or do we stay where we're most comfortable? We will explore what we can learn from our kids and the generation of YouTubers. We explore where your motivation comes from. The idea of looking inwardly at what our ultimate goals are with everything that we do and especially with the projects that we undertake. And are we staying in alignment with our goals? Are we keeping our eye on the prize or are we seeking outward approval? We talk about what happens when the stakes get higher. We're going to talk about a lot of different things today. I feel like this interview is rich and it gets more and more rich toward the end of the interview. So I I hope that you'll stick with it and just let me know what you think. Let me know what your takeaway is from it. I am really pumped and I'm really thankful that Kyle helped me set up my mics today for the interview because otherwise this would not be happening. So thanks, Kyle. You helped us get this kicked off and set the stage, so to speak, for me to continue doing this on a regular basis. Without any further ado, here's my interview with Kyle Martin. (laughs) So glad you're here. Thank you. It's a beautiful day outside. Not that it's not traditionally beautiful, but it's... um, I think it's really cool to look at the clouds well, and the storm clouds and everything. Is, is traditional beauty actually beautiful, though? Uh, you know what Andy Warhol said? Nope. He said, if everyone is not beautiful, then no one is beautiful. I like that. What does that mean to you? People say beautiful weather when they mean agreeable weather. Mm-hmm. But, like, perfectly blue skies obviously is beautiful, but also clouds that have texture and you know shades of gray and movement are pretty incredible also right so 
it may cancel your baseball game mm-hmm. or your picnic plans, which makes that kind of weather less agreeable. But it's not ugly. It's beautiful. So let's go a little further with that because I like it. One of the other things, it may cancel your baseball plans, but doesn't it open you up to do some things that you may not have stopped to do that day? I mean, not go take a dip in the pool necessarily, which is also beautiful, but... It's all relative, right? Because if we're stuck inside, you know, during a pandemic and, and not able to do much of anything, then... I don't care what it opens up in my world. If if I was for the first time going to be able to go outside and do something and then the weather ruins my plans, I'm still not going to be happy about it. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. So you just went from making it sound like it's great that we have gray skies to like, yeah, during COVID, like I don't want the gray skies. Well, I mean, you got a nice porch you can sit out here and watch it, and it's not too bad. The thunder's been nice, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I love it. You could hear it come from way back over here all the way out, and it's so nice. Uh, and you've got a nice microphone here that might, if you have more of it, might catch, a, catch, some, catch of some of the rain. Yeah, maybe. I like it. It's better than catching the echoes inside my house, which right. is the most frustrating thing about trying to get this podcast going, is that... Mm. My house echoes really bad. So, so tell me about your podcast, and because I have not listened, I I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't even have to say you're sorry. Uh, actually, no, I take it back. I think I have listened to. I think I listened to like your first episode, uh-huh. which was a while back, right? Yeah. Yeah, you've been doing this for a little bit, right? <laughs> I've been doing it twice for a long time. <laughs> so you've done two. That's right. Okay. See, I thought I was missing it. I thought I was just not a very good no, friend. No. But it turns out I'm, I'm not a very good podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, I was just telling you that, you know, finding the time, I, I get it. I'm right there with you. I, I understand. It's hard, you know, and so it's funny because when I had the vision to start this podcast, it was... Um, really it was, I knew I have things that I, I feel like when I have good conversations with people at the end, it's always like it's contributing. And it's also like helps me to feel a sense of significance, which are both Mm -hmm. like really basic human needs. And then I feel like, so I've always thought like, I feel like I have a voice and there's some wisdom by God's grace that I have. And so I want to be able to connect with people and share that, but I'm so paralyzed by perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And that's why you call it perfectcellence. Yeah. Like pursuing perfectcellence because I, pursuing perfectcellence. yeah, because I feel like the thing that has held me back in life, I feel like I've got, I've packed with a lot of potential And then that potential doesn't get ignited because I'm so afraid I'm going to do something wrong. And like you and I just sat here for how long trying to figure out, you know, the duo mic situation. And I was sitting here in my mind. I'm going to tell you, I got to confess. I even told my husband, I was like, I'm so glad Kyle's going to come over and be my first actual interview because, first of all, you are such a safe person. I've had students who said I'm the least intimidating teacher they've ever had. I love it. (laughs) School kids is not always a good thing, but, you know, but when you, being a safe person, that's what that kind of makes me, that kind of makes me think, oh, yeah, because I'm. 
I'm, nobody's gonna like you know those people here like you don't want to run into them in the dark alley. Right, right. Like I'm, I, everybody be like, I'm fine. That guy, like, he can, I, he, I can run into him in a dark alley. I don't, be fine. I don't feel like Kyle's <laughs> gonna judge me. That's one of it. Is like, oh, okay. like Kyle's not gonna judge me. Is that why people don't like to run into people in a dark? They're alley? gonna be judged. That's it. Like you're gonna run into an alley and it's like. <laughs> Those socks. Are you wearing socks with your Birkenstocks? Yeah, no. What is that? Dark alley. I know. You never know what's going to go down people in a dark mean. alley. <laughs> mean girls. Mean. People anyway. are so mean. So, anyway, so I, le- I thank you for being able to yeah, troubleshoot with me. We got it working. Awesome. Looks like it did. It's working. I, so I can see the little bumps and we'll, the... We'll find out later. Yeah. If it doesn't work, we're just going to be like, hey, thanks. That was a super fun afternoon to visit, and we yeah. enjoyed the rain. So, like I said, I, I think I listened to the first mm-hmm. episode that you put out a while back. Yeah. Uh, but tell me why you wanted to do a podcast. Well, let's back it up. I've actually talked about this in one of my podcasts, one of my two, and that's I that... You, I think you talked about it in the first one. So, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up and I did a lot of theater, and you and I have that in common, and I had um, an assistant director of a play I'd auditioned for who just went on and on, and she said, that voice, that voice, you have such an incredible voice, like, literally talking about the quality of my tone of voice. Mm -hmm. Well, then when the cast list came out for that play, I was put in a role that had tons of lines, but it was a narration almost type of role. And to me, that was so boring. It wasn't something that I got to bring creativity to. Mm-hmm. And and so I actually started despising my voice. <laughs> I was like, I hate my voice. I'm not I, like I'm then I then there came a season in college where I thought like oh I'll be I'm going to major in communication and then I was going to be a broadcast journalist because then I learned to try to embrace my voice but then I did a public speaking class in college and freaked smooth out in a class of a, probably about 12 people the first time I had to stand up and do a speech uh-huh. and um anyway so all that said, I feel like the reason I wanted to do a podcast is because I recognize, to be really honest, it's a way to embrace my voice, and it's such a great opportunity to do something and not have anybody to answer to, mm-hmm. not to have to ask for permission mm-hmm. for how I'm going to do it. I can bring whatever creativity I want to to the table. And it really is like, I mean, it's, it maybe it sounds like super, maybe I just have control issues, but it's like I can do this and I can do whatever I want with it. And I can, and hopefully it's going to, in the meantime, inspire people and I'm not hindered by any rules or having to ask permission from a boss or having it like I just get to do it I get to produce some creative content and yeah, and inspire people I don't think it means you have control issues if you want to have some control at some point I mean yes. like I think I think most of us are, are have if that's a control issue I think most I think I would imagine everybody has control issues because you know to some degree I don't care who you are you have someone to answer to mm-hmm. and I mean uh, even even in a podcast, uh, if you get, you know, if nobody's listening, then yeah, you probably don't have anybody to answer to in that. In that, but mm-hmm. if you 
if you have a large audience, then you're going to have your listeners to answer to. Sure. And we've kind of talked a little bit about how you know society is pretty judgy right now, and the bigger, you know, obviously the bigger your voice gets, the more judgment you're mm-hmm. going to you're, you're going to be exposing yourself to. So, it just depends on whether you whether or not you care uh, about that. And I think you know, for me at least, you know, I've got a lot of. Uh, I got a lot of freedom in my job. I think you know I, I teach theater arts, and I get to choose what plays we do, and mm-hmm. I get to choose what my classes are doing. I don't have a strict curriculum that I have to follow, so I have a lot of freedom. But you know, I still have a class schedule. You know, uh-huh. I've got I've, we've got seven periods a day, and then we've got we the bell rings, and we move to the next class, and that. That feels very controlling. It feels very, you know, rigid for me a lot of times. But you know, it's but then, like I said, I've got freedom in other ways. But I think you're right about podcasting, especially if you are starting small. You can talk about whatever, and nobody's mm-hmm. gonna, and a you're there to talk mm-hmm. as a talker. I've at least developed the ability to go. I need to shut up now. You know, and, uh-huh. and, I, and I like reading your audience. Reading my audience, yeah. But with a podcast, it's kind of like. Nobody there to tell you to shut up. So I can just talk if they get if they get and tired of it, then they, get tired of it, they can push push stop and right. they don't have to listen or, or next and they don't have to listen to it anymore. So true. You know, and I'm not. I think the key there is, of course, not to be like too upset or offended if people don't want to listen to it. So I love it that you're talking about that. You're talking in terms of like having an audience versus not, and what kind of responsibility there is. Mm-hmm. Once that grows, and my son just started a YouTube channel, and it's that was one of the conversations we had recently. He had this idea, he wanted to do it, he's super passionate about his topic, which is Pokemon Go, mm-hmm. you know. But is that the one that's on the phone? Yeah, I think I almost like it's, there were a bunch of people, I think I saw a Pokey stop or something uh-huh. when I was at the park the other day because there were a ton of people like looking at their phones and like walking well, around. Well, probably Saturday or if it, it was, was, if it was this Saturday, it's because it was GoFest. Yeah, but <laughs> I think it was Saturday. It. I think it was Saturday. It was a big thing and you had to buy tickets and I will like, I've actually gotten into that because I did it to connect with my yeah. son. But he started a YouTube channel and I talked to him ahead of time. I was like, are you doing this for followers or are you doing this because you love it? And you're having fun, and this is an outlet. And it was all about the fun, but then it almost immediately became about, like, how many people are following me? How many watch minutes do I have? How many this? And we've had to stop and regroup and say, okay, this is not fun. Mm -hmm. And the purpose is, are you having fun doing this? Because if your ultimate purpose is just about who's watching, then you get way too stressed out about what the reaction is. Yeah. You know, kids want to be... YouTube stars as a career, uh-huh. and, and you know the, the 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 Gen X in me wants to go. That's not a career, you know. But 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 actually, but there's plenty of people who are making nowadays. It's so like you, you can't know, even wow. say it as as yeah. confidently anymore yeah. that it's that it's not. Um, like you look at like there's like you look at these YouTube channels where little kids are just playing. My girls watch these YouTube channels where these two these little girls are. Playing with their toys. Right. They watch them play with yes. their toys. And I'm like, this is such nonsense. Why don't you just go play with your toys instead of watching kids play with their toys? Uh-huh. And then, you know, and of course, in my mind, in my imagination, there's just some little kids 
playing with their toys and videotaping it and putting it online, but then you look at it and there's like millions of followers and there's advertising mm -hmm. revenue and oh no, they actually have a whole, like they, they went to Target and were able to buy toys that were like branded with this YouTube channel. I'm like, oh, they're, they're set for life. Like, yeah. wow. But here's the thing that sets them apart. And this is what I love is that, you know, Jonah started his YouTube and then some of his friends started YouTube. Well, the reason Jonah started one is because a friend his age, like two years older than him, started one. And after a year, suddenly has hit like where he started getting thousands and thousands of followers and it happened overnight. And now this kid is monetized. And so Jonah wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And so then his friends wanted to do it. And so as a mom, mm -hmm. I'm looking at my son and I'm like, I just want him to understand grit and I want him to understand what it takes to work hard for something and to, mm -hmm. and to not give up when it gets tough. And mm -hmm. this has become an outlet where he sees where he's going on the other side and he gets frustrated. He gets so frustrated and he throws fits, but he powers through mm -hmm. and he problem solves yeah. and he's developed that grit that it takes to get to the other side. Because at first he was feeling a little threatened by the fact that his friends also started a YouTube channel. Like, not, not you know, just like, oh, now they're doing it, and now all these people are following them. Today he's like, all my friends that started a YouTube channel because I started one, none of them are putting out content anymore. And I was like, well, bud, that right there that's gonna be is... That's separation. That's yeah. it. Yeah. On anything. And, and for me, I think of it more in like, because I'm a grown person, I think in terms of like the business world, or I think in terms of mm -hmm. professional athletes, like the separator is, are you willing to, to go the extra mm -hmm. mile when it gets tough? Or are you going to fold the minute the challenge comes? Did you watch the ESPN documentary on the Chicago Bulls final season with Michael Jordan? I haven't seen it. Is about? it a thirty for thirty, or no, is it just it's not a thirty for thirty? It's a uh, it's just an ESPN documentary. It's a series uh, called The Last Dance. It's really interesting, and one of the, the, my biggest takeaway from it is like Michael Jordan to a kid growing up in the '90s was like this hero, right? Mm -hmm. And he was like this amazing player, and you know you just. But I think the the underlying idea behind Michael Jordan at least for me, was always that Michael Jordan's just super talented and like he's just a superhero who was gifted with something. Uh -huh. But then you watch this documentary and you go, nope. no, he he worked really hard yep. and he was more, like even, like you take super, uh, Scottie Pippen was a superstar in his own right. Uh -huh. You know, Dennis Rodman was a superstar in his own right. But you, but, but Michael Jordan was an, a level above that. Like mm -hmm. he was, he worked and pushed himself and pushed everybody around him mm -hmm. and was was like so diligent and worked so hard that like it I had a thought actually I had a thought that like I wonder if Michael Jordan's just not not any more talented than any of these other guys he just was harder on himself yeah and was more focused and had had more grit you know, and and I think that really that's 
that's the separator in anything you do, whether it's basketball or YouTubing right. or podcasting. That's that's the key with anything is consistency and, and hard work because you can work anybody can work hard for a day. Mm-hmm. Anybody can put forth their best effort for like a couple of days. That's that's my whole uh, exercise re- regime, you know, mm-hmm. routine is putting out effort for, for just a few days. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but I'm never going to get, I'm never going to like get in shape unless I can stick with it. So true. You know, and, and, and it might be fun to go play a game of basketball, you know, every now and then. But like, unless you're willing to put in the work, you're never going to be Michael Jordan. You know, you're not, you're never going to be a starter for your high school team, much less Michael Jordan. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know that I heard a, an interview on a, uh, one of the podcasts I listened to, I listened to Ed Milet, love him. Have you ever listened to him? Mm-hmm. So good. And he was interviewing, uh, someone who was a coach to Kobe Bryant. And one of the yeah. same things he said, he said his thing was he with Kobe Bryant, he had to reel him in because he would call him and say at like, four in the morning, mm-hmm. I'm going to go, I got to go, I got to go, um, I'll meet you at the courts, I got to be there. And he said, and the thing is, he would be there. I better show up because he's going to be there. Yeah. And that's, I think that that's helped me to to get a different view of, it's easy to look at it in elite sports because yeah, of, like yeah. it's just such a, it's I easy mean, to look and, like yeah. you said, think like, oh, they're just, they're just innately better. But the truth is nobody no matter what skill set or natural gifting you have, that's not the separator. Mm-mm. It's not. No. So you're a theater teacher. Mm-hmm. Did you always know you were going to become a teacher? If you went back in time and like talked to uh, you know twelve year old Kyle, you know Martin, I wasn't like sitting there going like theater teacher. Mm-hmm. But it was always uh, kind of in the back of my. It was always something I I think I. Figured I'd probably end up doing. My parents were both in it, were both educators. My grandparents were educators. It was a world I was familiar with. Um, it was a world I was comfortable in, and um, and of course the fact and and theater was all I ever really wanted to do. Uh huh. That or play baseball, uh, and baseball didn't happen. So I got gotcha. you. So so <laughs> theater theater is definitely my plan B. But, uh, uh, and next to, uh, professional baseball, um, that's kind of a joke. When did you know, when did you but, know that professional baseball was out? Uh, well, and the answer to that is I got cast in a lead role my sophomore year in high school and I, uh, went to my coach and I said, uh, Hey, can we work out? Cause I have to be at rehearsals at certain times. Like, do you think this could work out? And he goes, you know, Kyle, I saw you in the last play, and you're pretty good. I think that that theater stuff is is really good for you, and I think that you really need to. So my baseball coach was telling me I needed to stick to theater. <laughs> Did you feel like that was like encouraging? Or was it like don't quit your day job? Yeah. Like yeah. that. Okay. Well, I mean, that was, but I wasn't insulted. I mean, I, I I I didn't get my feelings hurt. I just went. Loud and clear coach. I got it. I got, got it. it. Okay. Well, I mean, and the, 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 the in between the lines, the writing on the wall to me was, you're going to be on the team, but you're probably not going to play that much. Okay. Or you can have the lead role, you know? Yeah. And, and then the more I got to thinking about it, the more I was like, well, yeah, I, I want to be the lead in the play, and I don't want to sit the bench. Yeah. So why wouldn't I choose the thing I'm better at? And... 
you know, and, and at the end of the day, um, do I, I mean, I, I love playing baseball. So I, I, I have a hard time saying that, like, I love theater more than baseball, but I didn't, I didn't love it less. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. It was, it, w- it wasn't terribly heartbreaking. It was just sort of like one act play season and baseball season were the same time. <laughs> it was a practical thing. You know, I was, I wasn't going to play college baseball for sure. I wasn't, I just wasn't good enough. And it may have been because I didn't work hard enough. I don't know. So I, I kind of always knew that I'd be a theater teacher because... I I wanted something I wanted to be in theater but I also wanted stability. You okay. I mean? Yeah, totally. I also wanted a job where I knew I had a paycheck, where I could have a family. Mm-hmm. Um and I have so many friends who have gone into uh, entertainment and gone to Hollywood, gone to New York and have had to put those things on the back burner. Mm-hmm. And most of them, not all of them, but most of those people have uh, if they wanted to have a family, they kind of had to leave theater behind. They had to they had to make a choice, you know, and they had to say, you know what, I'm, I, I'd, I'd rather marry this person and, and have kids, you know, than to continue to pursue this dream because it's so hard. Because in acting, especially, maybe not maybe not the film business as a whole, because you could probably get a job working in film behind the scenes, you know. But as an actor specifically, that's that really is one of those places. It's not really a meritocracy. That uh, a lot of that is just luck, you know. Mm-hmm. And you hear people say that all. Now I think that uh, there's also a level of stick with itness. Let's say comedy, for example. Uh, and I follow comedy pretty closely. Like if you're a comedian and you're and you stick with it and you're pretty funny and you're and you you have some talent, but you're willing to like. The gr- do the grind and go to the, the you know tour the clubs and uh, do all that and you're willing to you know really hustle and I think you will eventually get some recognition mm-hmm. you may not become Jerry Seinfeld there's just comedians who have been doing it for years and years and years and they finally hit like in their 40s mm-hmm. after they've been doing it for 20 years yeah. and they may even be well known in the industry but uh, but they never really make any money at it until you know you know it's something just finally hit. But what do you think makes it work? Like makes it worth their while to stick with it for that long before they're like it's not hitting, it's not hitting, it's not hitting. But then it hits. But there's that in between. What do you think is the motivator on the in between? There's a there's a point where it's just. Hustle, hustle. I love, like, I love it. But at first, it's like, I just love it. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just total adrenaline. I can do this all day. I just love it. And then it becomes a grind. Okay. But, and I think at that point, when it's a grind, if you can see, if you have mentors, and if you can see, and then, I guess this is kind of for everything, but if you can see that there is a, a hustle that is necessary, and you can, and you still, and you really love it, then you can get past that, mm-hmm. right? And I think that moment is probably when there are some people who really hit. Mm-hmm. That's where, like, that, that moment where it's not a fun new toy anymore. It's now a job, but you still really love it, and you know you love it. Even though you don't like it every day, you still love it. Mm-hmm. 
and you grind past the hard times, then I think if you can get past that, you can hit a groove. Mm-hmm. You can hit sort of like, you, you, that's maybe like your 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. Your, yeah, the, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, yeah, so, um, so you, I think you hit a groove, and then down the line there, people either hit, they either find, they either find the, the you know, if we're talking about entertainment, maybe they find a job that mm-hmm. like fulfills them and they like it. Maybe it's in front of the camera, maybe it's not. Uh, if it's in sports, same thing. Maybe you found the thing that you, that you enjoy that satisfies you and makes allows you to make a living. I think I feel that in teaching. You know, uh-huh. there was a place where it was just kind of all new and I don't know about fun, but it was new and exciting. And then it became a grind, and then you get over that hump, and then you find a groove. And I think people who fizzle out never f- find that that satisfaction mm-hmm. you know and you might be doing the same thing as somebody else who does find satisfaction but maybe for you it's never quite satisfying and so you fizzle off and you go find something else to do I think no matter what you do you probably that, that seems like a trajectory that I've noticed uh, in sports that that window is really small but acting I think it it can kind of go on forever mm-hmm. especially if you're somebody who maybe doesn't really care to start a family Comedians often, you know, you find them getting into drugs and alcohol, mm-hmm. and then that takes up a good chunk of their time. And comedy seems to be the only thing that they can do and maintain their habit or whatever. You know, I hear you hear comedians talk about that. Mm-hmm. You you do get to a point where, and you don't want this to be the only reason you do something. And and for me, it's not. But where you kind of go like, what else would I do? Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing else that I'm. There's nothing else. I wouldn't hire me to do anything else necessarily. I don't necessarily think that's true for everybody. But like, um, this is what I'm good at, and I like it. And you're an expert. Yeah, and I. It's kind of like this is the thing I know the most about. You know, kudos to you for you know, <laughs> getting into something new. Uh-huh. You know, but I, I I would find right now that if I were to, I'd, I'd have to like retrain my brain and I think I could do that but I'm, I'm kind of at a point now in what I do where it's I'm in that groove you know and mm-hmm. I feel and I feel pretty good about where I am I study I've been doing a lot of Tony Robbins mm-hmm. and he talks about that there are six basic human needs mm-hmm. we all as humans like no matter where you are in the world we have these basic human needs and our problems kind of arise from those needs, no matter where you're at, no matter what mm-hmm. culture. And there, some of them are paradoxical, meaning that like it feels like they they have to be exclusive of one another, but they're not. Mm-hmm. And so like one of them is a feeling of like we all have a need for certainty. And so you were talking about that with your career. Mm-hmm. And yet, if we have too much certainty, it becomes boring. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have a positive um, outlet to get your need for uncertainty met as well, then you might do something really unhealthy. So like for me, you know, I, you mentioned the fact that I changed careers recently. I'm, I'm kind of built where I'm, I'm like, this is like, whatever it is, I'm going to be all in. Mm-hmm. I'm, I consider myself all in or not at all in. Mm-hmm. And so so now I'm in real estate and that's like, okay, I'm going to immerse myself and I'm going to learn everything I can about real mm-hmm. estate. And I'm going to figure out what the niche is and I'm going to go all in and do that. And I believe in my capability of doing that, 
But there's an element of uncertainty to that. Mm -hmm. So because I have so much uncertainty in that, I've got to get my need for certainty met over here somewhere. So one of the ways I get my need for certainty met is by like doing lots and lots of planning and organization and goal setting and like building charts and building things. And I'm like, oh, that's because I feel certain about my ability to do this over here because I'm uncertain over here just yet. Mm -hmm. I'm learning it. Mm -hmm. So you've got certainty and uncertainty, and then you have like love and connection and then significance, the need for love and connection and the need for significance, significance, meaning that like I am, I'm unique and I'm different somehow. Mm -hmm. And so some people will find that through their education. Mm -hmm. Am I, how many letters can I put behind my name? I'm going to feel significant from that. Or am I, um, a CEO, what's my, what am I, am I in the military? So it's real interesting. I love it because I've been looking at, I've been judging like how my kids respond to me about different things or how they're responding to life about certain things. And I'm like, what needs? Like, I love looking at it in the framework of these different needs. Another one of them is contribution versus growth. Are you growing and are you contributing? Mm -hmm. And so I was talking to somebody recently who's just ready to retire and they're at that age and they're like, they have a little bit longer to go and they just know it's about time. And I was, I'm filtering things through that. Like, are you, are you ready? Because you're, why are you ready? Well, it's because you have so much certainty here that you're getting bored. Mm -hmm. And so, um, significance speaks to me. I think that that's something we're always searching for mm -hmm. is like something like what, how am I set apart? How are you set apart? How am I so? Like, what is it that brings you significance? Honestly, and this is this is not something I've re necessarily recognized in myself. This is stuff, something other people tell me about me. And I think it's like what you said earlier, that I'm very safe, that, uh -huh. I, that people feel, I think people feel safe around me. I think people feel like they're not going to be judged. So the support that I give other people, and that's one of those effortless things that I do, or that I, the way that it's just part of who I am, doesn't really take that much effort. But I've, because of the people have told me that about me, I just decided to lean into it and uh, and believe them. <laughs> and believe them, and uh, the things that I that I think I work really hard, <laughs> or the things that I beat myself up about not being that good at, like organization and planning, the things that you are good at, those kinds of things that I that I struggle with. I've just kind of decided to do my best and not worry and not and, and like not give up on it. I'm not going to let it define my self-worth, you know, mm -hmm. what I mean? if my if my office is a mess at work. So my significance, I think, really lies in the relationships. I guess that that probably is a better answer. The relationships that I make, former students, friends. Like that. So perfectionism, are you a perfectionist? No. In fact, I reject it. I don't even like the term. Do I, you think it exists? No. You don't, don't. think that people strive for think, it so much that they can't get... No. I don't okay. think perfection exists at all. I, in fact, I think it's... A, I think the... But I do think you think pursuit, perfectionism? I think the pursuit of perfection is actually a killer of art. Right. And so I... I sort of reject it as a concept in general, and I if I meet someone who, if I, I've never met anybody who's perfect, but if I did meet someone who was perfect, I, I don't know if I'd get along with them that mm -hmm. <laughs> Like, I don't think I'd yeah. really want to be around them that much. Like, it would, I, I, I love the flaws in people. I, I, 
What about the flaws in yourself? Uh, yeah, I think I think I like the flaws in myself too. I, I think that, uh, like I said, I can be kind of scatterbrained, and I can be kind of like you know, I can forget things, and I can sometimes be uh, thoughtless. And I don't mean thoughtless in like a like I'm just going to be selfishly, but I just literally don't think about. I think as long as people are willing to recognize when their faults hurt other people and apologize for it and try not to allow their faults to hurt other people as much as you know they can and I think working on yourself there's nothing wrong with working on yourself mm-hmm. but I think what what the pursuit of perfection does I think is it sets up a, a way to just beat yourself down uh, and then in the in the avenue of like art mm-hmm. and I think of it a lot of times in the in that sense because I know a lot of artists, it, it, it never allows you to really be happy mm-hmm. and, and joyous about what you've done. Uh, and it also, it doesn't allow you to recognize the beauty in the mistakes. You know? Uh, oh, that's good. Art, art is often all about, like if you, if you tossed a you know, paint can up in the air and let it hit like the ground and just see what happened, that's random and that's, but that could be awesome, you know? And, when we're doing a scene, students are often really scared to try something. So they come to me and they go, Mr. Martin, can I do that? I thought maybe about this and I could do this. And I'd say, just try it. I don't know what it's going to look like until you try it. So just try it. And I'll tell you if it works, if it doesn't work, you know. Mm-hmm. And if it works, great, we'll keep it. If it doesn't work, then we'll, we'll try something else. Do you think all directors do that? No. Okay, I didn't think so. Yeah, um, I love that. I I think there are really good directors who don't do it, but I also don't know if they would be my favorite people to work with. Right. So, I mean, I have worked with directors who had a very specific vision of how they wanted things done and didn't allow for any kind of, like, collaboration. They have a high need for certainty. Yeah. (laughs) And and they they might come out with a great product, but... There's, there's, there might not be any joy in the cast, you know? Right. You're, you're always so there. what's your ultimate goal? Is your goal to to promote creativity and let art grow here? Or is your is your goal? It's, what's edu- your goal? As an educator, yeah. that is definitely my goal. As an educator, right. for sure, that's my goal. Not everybody has the luxury of being able to just say, like, hey, let's see what happens, you know? Because mm-hmm. maybe your job might be on the line. Maybe, you know, you... If, if this, That's if true. This, if this film doesn't make money, you may never work again. Very good point. You know, so like that's a luxury that I have that other people might not have. However, I think you also can see that you can try to perfect something into not being good. You can you can constantly work and re- rework and overwork something, and and then and then that turns out to be a bad thing. You know, I had a I went to a workshop one time, and the presenter called it creating a Frankenstein monster. You know, mm-hmm. you have this idea, and a really good director will actually know when to abandon that idea and just let it be. So good. You know, I am a I paint just casually, mm-hmm. very amateur painter, mm-hmm. but you can do the same thing in painting. You yeah. can be painting a work and then you're just like if you're like I mean it's yeah. good for me with my perfectionism to like kind of get that out of yeah. my system because I'll work and work and work something and then I'll completely screw it up right. because I'm working so hard to get this one thing perfect that really 
it's beautiful if you just leave it at that imperfect state. And it comes back a little bit to the thing I said earlier, which was if if everyone is not beautiful, then no one is beautiful. Mm -hmm. From Andy Warhol, I believe. You know, you can find beauty in in any in a lot of different things. If your ultimate goal is to get a particular message across, you know, you can sort of gauge the success of that whether or not that message got across in the way you want it to. That's an even bigger it's conversation. Good. But, yeah, I get But you. yeah, my, my kind of knee-jerk reaction to the idea of perfectionism, I think has mo mostly to do with the people who I see perfection is really important to. Mm -hmm. They seem the most frustrated. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. People, I believe the, you. The people who seem the most content and the happiest in their life in general are the people who allow life to... They do the best to create their world, mm -hmm. but they they run with the punches. They they roll with things. If bad things happen, they say, "Okay, we're gonna work it. We're gonna work with that." Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, but then they, you know, make lemons out of lemonade out of lemons. You know, it's like yeah. the, it's like the old saying. Yeah, you know, I got some you know, cliche like making lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. You know, it's kind of I think a really good you know, image and, and analogy for kind of like allowing art to kind of create as, as you live and I had a really great art teacher when I was in elementary school. Our elementary school, I think her name was Miss Cochetti. That sounds familiar. But um, that was, it was an early lesson I learned in an art class. And I think she probably did this just because she didn't want to have to pass out blank sheets of paper to kids constantly but if you messed up and you brought it to her and you said i messed up i need to start over she'd say no just fix to, oh just man i would have been in trouble <laughs> make something out of, i love she it she never let us start over i love she that never let us start over she'd say no take it and make something out of it you know if, if you made a mistake then take that stray line and do something with that and that was such a good lesson for me so early, on, good. early on in life, too. And it's one of these lessons that I've brought with me through, I think, everything I've done. It's not to say that I haven't found myself caught in those moments where I have to have it a certain way, mm -hmm. you know, or or I don't, like, try to shove a square peg in a round hole. You yeah. Know? I've certainly done that. But if you'll just find the square hole, that can be, <laughs> yeah. you know. Oh, or, or create your own hole or I don't yeah. know. You know, like, hey, I didn't want this square peg. Yeah. I've only got a round hole. But maybe there's you know a what? new maybe one somewhere else. Maybe if I just set the square peg off to the side of the hole, and maybe it doesn't have to go into the hole. Right. Maybe you can just sit there. That's so good, <laughs> Kyle. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Man, thank you. Yeah, this, this is so fun. good. I appreciate it. I wish it. we could have talked for longer. Yeah. Sorry. Can we talk again later? Yeah. Another time? Because this was really good. So, Absolutely. thank you. Yeah, you bet. All right. So, there you have it, friends. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this interview as much as I enjoyed recording it. And I hope that you've learned as much as I learned just by visiting with Kyle. If you liked this episode, please leave me a rating and a review. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you'll be the first one to know when new episodes roll out, which I assure you will be more frequently than they have in the past. And also share it with your friends. If you didn't like it, don't rate it. Don't review it. 
Just kidding. Maybe just reserve your rating and review for a later time after you listen to some more episodes because I know I have room to grow. I know I have room to improve my audio. Although I do hope that you enjoyed the rain in the background on this particular video. Once again, thank you for listening and I hope that you'll join me again on next week's episode of Pursuing Perfectcellence. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Pursuing Perfectcellence with your host, Hannah Holmes. You can reach me by emailing perfectcellent at gmail.com or connect with me on social media at Pursuing Perfectcellence on Instagram, perf underscore excellence on Twitter, or Pursuing Perfectcellence podcast on Facebook. Have a great day and we'll see you next time.